This is Crucial Tech, a podcast about technology that affects all of us in a format that allows you to consume it in the time it takes to go to and from the grocery store. I'm your host, Lou Covey, and I probably know more about it than you do. And if I don't, I know someone who does. But first... This episode of Crucial Tech is brought to you by the Augmented Leadership Institute, a consultancy and research organization that partners with businesses and nonprofit organizations to create a post-industrial future of work together. And we thank you very much. Artificial intelligence, or more specifically, generative artificial intelligence, is the topic in the news today. Not only on general news, but technological research, military, industrial, commercial, it's all out there. And it has all kinds of applications that could be good, but because they have all those good applications, there are an equal number of bad applications. And so we have decided at Cyber Protection Magazine to start a program over the next few months that we are calling Defense Against the AI Arts, with apologies to Harry Potter. This is going to include podcasts, articles, and even a panel session that we're planning for June, uh, excuse me, for July. Uh, that will consist of experts and in the business world and the uh, technology world to talk about what it is we can do to minimize the damage of what could be something that would be very advantageous to society. Uh, and today we're starting off with our first company and let's get right to it. And we are here with Vijay Balasubramanian, who is the CEO of a company called Pindrop. And this is a, uh, one of these companies that you are going to have to know exists in this coming age, because as much as we might be scared of generative AI, and as much as we want, might want to think that generative AI is the greatest thing since sliced bread, it is going to cause some problems. And we've already seen it popping up with deep fake videos of world leaders and deep fake uh, audio and <laughs> even articles written supposedly by real human beings that really don't exist. And we've got to figure out how to deal with it. And Pindrop is one of the companies that part of what they're doing is making sure that when we hear somebody's voice, it actually is who we're talking to. So Vijay, thank you for joining us. And I'm very happy to be here. And are you as frightened about generative AI as I am? Uh, absolutely. You know, uh, generative AI is an incredible tool, but, you know, I, I come from the security mindset. I've done everything in security and people in the security mindset are always paranoid. Uh, and, you know, right now, the biggest question is when you're remote, how do you determine if what's on the other end of a remote interaction is human or a machine? And generative AI blurs the line pretty significantly. Yeah. And that's becoming a big, I noticed in your materials that you say that's a big problem in the call center world. And I, I'm kind of surprised by that because I thought it would be the call centers that are using deep fake voices to contact customers. 
Yeah, so uh, absolutely. It, it's not a, there's a subtle distinction. So there's generative AI and with generative AI, you can create two classes of voices. One is synthetic voice. That is, it isn't a particular person. It isn't loose voice. It is mm -hmm. just a machine generated voice. And that machine generated voice in a, is an amalgamation of multiple people's voices created such that it's nice and resonant with the human ear. Mm. Deep fakes are voices that actually belong to real people and you're creating a targeted voice. And that's the distinction. And the distinction actually helps in the call center world. There are call center companies, like you rightfully said, that are using synthetic speech to be able to have, like, for example, when you're speaking to a self-service system, it's not a bot. It is actually someone who sounds human. On the reverse side of it, when those enterprises are trying to determine, is it really Lou trying to move his money? Is it really Lou trying to access his healthcare records? Is it really Lou trying to liquidate his life insurance? They're now starting to see more and more examples of deep fake versions of you actually perpetrating these transactions and you didn't even know about it. Yeah, and, and the, the common practice in spear phishing is to ha send an email or a text or even a, a voice, a phone call to someone claiming to be the CEO and says, oh, I want you to go down to Target and buy me $5,000 worth of gift cards. Yeah. And uh, yeah. and people go ahead and do that. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, that, 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 uh, that has traditionally been the biggest... Uh, uh, amount of fraud an organization, uh, 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 you know, uh, uh, has, it's called business email compromise, and you're exactly right. And, you know, every time there is a new pin drop employee, the speed with which someone gets to them and says, hey, I'm welcoming you as the CEO of pin drop, especially if they're in the finance department, can you do this transaction for me? It's crazy. But the fact is that we're starting to see a lot of business email compromise where instead of an email, it's actually your CEO's voice or your CFO's voice talking to the controller. And in these situations, there have been situations that we've been party to where it is the CEO's voice and the CEO you know, has public examples of his audio or video. But in one example, there was no public examples of this particular CEO and they still managed to create a deep fake of that CEO because they had hacked that person's intranet. And so they got all the all hands messages for that CEO and then created a deep fake of that CEO and used that to perpetrate uh, 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 you know, a wire transfer. And it's crazy, you're exactly right. This business email compromise, the urgency that you have with a actual voice saying, I want you to wire $1.7 million. And that's how high we've seen transactions, $1.7 million, because I want to buy this startup for cheap. The economy is really bad. The startup is coming out. So I want to buy them and I'm getting on a flight. I want you to wire this money out. We're seeing uh, examples of business email compromise with actual deep fakes. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> and it's coming on like a freight train. Now, I now, the reason we, we started this conversation is, is your PR folks contacted me about a deal that you've got with Google. 
and that, that was announced May 4th, I think it was. Yeah. And I have been noticing or talking to a lot of companies that are starting to integrate with Google uh, re regarding their own generative AI. Yeah. How is your pr program working with them? Uh, so in our case, uh, our partnership with Google is on Google's cloud platform, GCP. Uh, and it's fundamentally our ability to offer pin drop solutions on Google's uh, cloud. Uh, right. What that allows us to do is like, for example, if there is a customer, like a big retailer who wants to run all of their compute and all of their processing on Google, they can even get pin drops technology on that. That's that relationship. Uh, we definitely use a lot of Google technologies like Google's machine learning capabilities and things like that. We definitely use that. Uh, but on the generative AI side, we're still not partnered with them, just to clarify that relationship. Okay. So what? So essentially, your service is being offered on Google Cloud. It's yes. not something that Google is going to be offering to any anyone in particular. Uh, no, uh, they, I mean, like they are reselling Pindrop's uh, capabilities to all uh, uh, organizations that use Google Cloud, uh, but it isn't, uh, you know, one where we are deeply embedded into some generative AI capability that they have. Yeah, and uh, that's probably a good deal for you because uh, I, you know. When Oracle at one time was the leader in cloud, yeah, and in the past twelve months they've dropped to number four. Yeah, Google has moved up, and I think it's probably due to the fact that Oracle decided not to get into the AI bandwagon. Yeah, uh, that and you know Google's capabilities, like you said, their AI capabilities, their contact center capabilities are all very very strong. Uh, you know, the Google platform, the Google cloud platform is a very stable platform as well. But most importantly, I think Google is learning from uh, uh, organizations in the cloud world like Microsoft that know how to partner really well. They're also coming with a very partner first mentality where they're saying, hey, we don't need to develop every single technology within our own stack we're perfectly willing to work with partners who create these best of breed technologies and bring them into our cloud and offer them up. So they're taking a very partner friendly approach and we have found that really, really powerful. Excellent. Yeah. So let's say I wanna call up my broker and say, I wanna, I wanna sell some shares and I really don't want to, cause it's not me. Yeah. How, how, how does this company know that it's not my voice? Yeah. So, you know, uh, I'll just lay out the kinds of attacks that happen uh, against your voice, and then I'll talk about what we do just okay. so that people get that. So there's there's a variety of attacks. There's the most simple attack where someone just records you saying, hey, I want to sell 30 shares of Cisco. And then, you know, at some point in time, they can just replay you saying, I want to sell 30 shares of Cisco wire the money out from that sale and then you know uh, become richer by that financial transaction. So that's known as a replay attack. It doesn't have any bearing on generative AI, but that's something we've seen a lot, right? And that used to be the traditional way those attacks used to happen. Then you started seeing a lot of the synthetic attack, which is either creating a voice that sounds like you. If they don't have access to you, We've started to see fraudsters start to create deep fakes. Like for example, I know you have a Southern drawl. So I'm gonna create a deep, uh, a, not a deep fake, but a synthetic voice that also has a Southern drawl. 
and make sure that I get through, uh, you know, uh, that particular uh, transaction. And then there is the deep fake attack that you mentioned. In each of these cases, what we at Pindrop are fundamentally looking at is, is this a live voice? Is this a real human on the other end making these conversations or not? And in each of these cases, you have artifacts or telltale signs that tell us it is not live. So let me start off with the deep fake or the synthetic kinds of attacks. In those particular cases, what we are looking for is when you're human, you have certain physical limitations by which you speak. You have a vocal tract that looks like a certain way. You have your nasal cavity that looks like a certain way. And then you have, you have your lips that constantly move. So when you, for example, say, hello, Paul, your mouth is wide open when you said hello, and then it shut down when you said Paul. There is a certain speed with which you can do that. These deep fake systems, don't care about these physical limitations. They're creating these systems just so that they can fool the human ear. And that's all they care about. Uh, as well as, you know, if you have like a voice authentication system on the other end, they're trying to fool that. When we look at these things, we see, for example, there is a fraudster called Giraffe Man who uses deep fakes. If you come to Pindrop, every conference room is named after a fraudster we've caught. One of them is Giraffe Man. When you analyze audio from him, what you'll see is the speed with which those uh, transitions are being made. If you analyze and say, what is the human anatomy that would have produced this audio? You will come to conclusions like, this person needs to have a seven foot long neck to be able to move in that rapid a fashion. And then you use those artifacts to be able to say, yeah, this is a deep fake. There are just not artifacts like that. There's a whole ton of artifacts, but the key intuition is every piece of audio has 8,000 samples of your voice every single second. So we can measure 8,000 times, is this really a human making this interaction or is this a machine? And by virtue of doing that and listening to these subtle artifacts, that a lot of these engines throw out, we're able to detect that it's actually a deep fake. And we're also able to say, this is this particular deep fake. So it is a deep fake created by 11 labs, or it is a deep fake created by Google's WaveNet technology. And so we are able to start detecting, not just that it's a deep fake, but which engine created that deep fake, because every engine is not human in a very unique way. I know I said a lot, but does that make sense? Actually, that makes great sense. I mean, uh, my, my concern has always been about, because you, you've got to use AI to fight against an AI. Yes. And and I know how brittle AI technology is. I mean, I've been reading this book uh, called Not With a Sticker, But With a Bug. Well, not with a bug, but with a sticker. Okay. Have you heard, heard of that? No, I haven't. I'm okay, you're, it, it, yes. It's about how easy it is to attack an AI system. Yes. And uh, one of the reports it has in there that I read the report too, the National Security Committee on AI yeah. has estimated that one out of every two AIs currently in use has already been compromised, either intentionally or unintentionally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's the thing, right? Like each of these systems, there's things that we do as humans very, very comfortably. Like, for example, when you say San Francisco, the S and 
they actually sound like noise to a machine. And so they have a terrible way of representing things like that. Those are known as fricatives. Yeah. We as humans know how to take noise and actually make words like s and f, which, you know, if you just the, hear the kind of it, it sounds exactly like noise. And so we've done that because over 10,000 years of evolution, we've developed an overbite because we ate soft fruit. And that overbite allows us to move our lip and our teeth over our mouth and create these kinds of things, which is really hard for systems to generate. And so you're able to look at a variety of these artifacts and detect this is actually not a live human on the other end. It's actually a deep fake. And the deep fake was generated by a particular engine. So what's your um, false positive rate? Yeah. So deep fakes, we can detect. I mean, it depends on the deep fakes. Most deep fakes we're able to detect because we are also very keen on making sure we're not saying the wrong thing. Most deep fakes we're able to detect with 90% plus accuracy, but it also depends on, you know, how much of audio content do you have? Like, for example, there are systems like Valley, which use three seconds of your audio and generate uh, deep fakes. When you have limited amounts of audio, so anything you know from three seconds to about an hour, we're able to detect those systems with ninety-nine percent accuracy. Well, you know that that fills me with hope <laughs> because uh, I've been watching what's been going on with AI for you know since it started in in December. Yeah, that's when the the big uh, stuff came, and we we've actually had to. Uh, write an editorial policy about the use of AI and, and contributor articles, yeah. because quite frankly, they're awful. <laughs> they're really awful. <laughs> I mean, we've done, I mean, because we do deep fake analysis, we've done deep fake analysis on not just audio, but increasingly we're starting to do deep fake analysis on video as well. Because when you think about a video, oftentimes what gives away the video is what is the lip saying as compared to what is actually being said? Yeah. Uh, and, you know, so we are actually be, being able to use deep fake audio to detect deep fake uh, videos. And we actually, you know, showcased uh, our deep fake detection on Senator Blumenthal's uh, self-generated deep fake audio in the, in, in, in the, uh, in, in the, uh, you know, uh, uh, the AI hearing. But more interestingly, we are also starting to look at things like uh, generated text, right? Like chat GPT or any large language model. And if you look at the verbosity in those models, they're awful. Like if you look at actually, you know, 100 words spoken by a human and 100 words spoken by a large language model, if you actually look at what was the real content, what was the real meaningful content produced by that LLM, you'll see there's a lot of filler words. Whereas humans, when they're actually experts in a particular area, they don't have that many filler words in, in a particular sentence. So a lot of these systems have, uh, you know, they're probabilistic and they're generating these words and they're trying to figure out the right thing, but they're not human. And so you can so, actually detect these subtle things. Let, let me ask you this. Um, yeah. You mentioned filler words, you know, and when, yeah. when people talk and you, you just did it, Yeah. Uh, a filler word is like, you know, yeah. And you just did that. Absolutely. And pe people will say, ah, oh, and, and, and they'll, they'll pause. Yeah. So are you saying that audio generative AI can't do that? No, no, no. I, I'm, I'm not saying that. What okay. I'm saying is okay. 
when uh, we we went to uh, you know another area so i'm focused on audio i mean we were focused on audio then we moved to text and you were saying ah, hey the okay. text generated by some of these things are awful and the reason i mean when you analyze it statistically why they're awful is they're extremely verbose they they have i mean like if you look at uh, text generated by a lot of these large language models and you look at the answers they're crazily verbose in their response to any question as compared to a human try uh, an, uh, a subject matter expert trying to answer the same thing yeah there was a study done in oxford university decades ago yeah where they they had two paragraphs that said exactly the same thing yeah. But one paragraph was 50 words long and the other paragraph was 500 words long. Yeah. And they, they gave them to uh, both journalists and to English professors. Yeah. And 100% of the journalists chose the shorter paragraph. 100% of the English professors chose the longer paragraph. So I guess the lesson there is if you're trying to figure out a deep fake, don't ask an English professor. <laughs> no, you know, any human, at least with audio and video content, what we found is humans are terrible at detecting deep fakes. We did this survey where we presented right. a video to and and humans detected it with 57% accuracy, which means they're 7% better than a random coin toss or a monkey trying to determine if it's a, a deep fake or not. Like that's how bad humans are at detecting deep fake audio and video. So you definitely do need tech uh, and you know, humans are bad at it. Okay, well, at least we know the tech is coming. So thank you for that. And uh, I hope we'll be talking more in, uh, in the future. Absolutely. So that's it for this episode of Crucial Tech. Um, I hope you have some hope in there that things are coming to uh, a good point with all this, this stuff, but we still have a long way to go. That's why we're doing this special series on defense against the AI arts. Uh, next week, uh, we'll be having another podcast uh, with another company kind of in the same area, more generally involved in being able to detect uh, an AI produced piece of content. Uh, and uh, there are other companies that are getting involved in this. It's kind of a nascent industry that's popping up. Uh, we're also going to be looking into uh, having some panels and discussions over the next few months. And anyone who wants to support us, we're looking forward to hearing from you, uh, from sponsors, from people who want to make donations to the, the cause. And one more shout out to Augmented Leadership Institute for sponsoring this particular episode and a few more to come. Uh, this has been Lou Covey with Crucial Tech, a Footwasher Media production.